You are listening to Stand Out on LinkedIn, indispensable truths, tools, and tips, a show designed specifically to help you stand out. I'm Colleen McKenna, your host. I'm the author of It's Business, Not Social, and a longtime blogger, speaker, LinkedIn trainer, and coach. It's Business Not Social is our philosophy and method designed to help you stand out on LinkedIn. This podcast is for everyone looking to maximize their brand, network, career, and business initiatives. Meaning, finding a job, hiring, selling, and marketing. That pretty much includes most people. I will be talking with the experts on our Intero advisory team, outside experts, whose insight I value, and sometimes it might just be me. Whatever the format, the goal is to get you closer to gaining traction and being a standout on LinkedIn. Let's dive in. Welcome to Standout on LinkedIn, indispensable truths, tools, and tips. I'm Colleen, your host. Standout on LinkedIn is brought to you by Intero Advisory, the leader in LinkedIn branding, sales, and recruiting enablement. Today, Jim and I are talking about the recent changes in LinkedIn. There have been many changes, both tactical and strategic. This conversation, we're going to focus on the strategic changes and direction. Why? Well, the tactical are really hard to discuss in this format, and not everyone will have access to them at the same time. The strategic, we believe right now, are important for people to understand. For those of you who don't know Jim Cusick, he's our Director of Digital Enablement and works directly with our clients on building their brand, business development, and recruiting strategies. Part of those strategies inevitably involve talking with clients about how to stay on top of what's happening in LinkedIn. Jim loves the outdoors, listening to podcasts, thinking critically, solving problems, and poppies. Jim, welcome. Good morning. Good to see you, or and I do see you at the moment. Let's just kind of really dive in. Um, first of all, let's just set the stage. There's some of the changes that we're seeing and a lot of the changes that we're seeing on LinkedIn, we think are good changes, correct? Definitely good changes. Two major things happening right now on LinkedIn. Really, it's something that we thought was going to happen earlier this year. And it was rolled out in the help section about, I don't know, four or five months ago that they were going to um, crack down on just kind of rogue connection requests, automation, really abusing the platform uh, and how that was going to impact how people use it moving forward. Because what makes sense with COVID, um, a lot of people changing their business development activities to LinkedIn turned out to a lot of people um, trying to find shortcuts and just basically creating some some spam on the platform. So LinkedIn now is actually cracking down on those requirements and, and throttling back connection requests and how many messages you can send people. And there's some variables in there that they state in their, their different blogs and, and help center posts, uh, but it's not really black and white. So we've been testing and, and seeing what that um, actually does as far as an impact for um, outreach. And then the other one is is this whole creator mode, how it fits into the content already being generated on LinkedIn and the features around that and what that really means. So it, there was a lot of hype around it as far as when it got released and not everybody is going to have it 
uh, yet. It is with LinkedIn, they always do the, the rolling rollouts. So I think with the creator mode, a lot of good stuff on the horizon with it. Uh, but the initial rollout, as far as features, were a little bit light in, in our opinion. Right. So two major changes. Um, reining in how many um, connection requests you can send out as a result of automation. We saw a huge proliferation of automation over the last six to eight months. Um, and then the second is creator mode. So let's break those down. The automation, we definitely, there's been a number of automated tools probably for the last, you know, several years, but definitely in the last three or four years, I don't think there's a week that goes by that someone doesn't send me in a message, or, you know, a DM, um, a text about this particular tool and a tool that they want to use or do I know about. And typically somewhere in that message, it'll say, this one looks different than the rest of the ones that you don't like. What do you think? I don't test all of them, but let's just talk about this increase um, in the automated tools and what we've seen as a result of the automated tools. Yeah, so I think at the heart of it, people do mean well. They don't want to they don't want to spam other people. I think for the most part, people think they have a, a good offering and, and people would want to connect with them. Um, and they're just trying to save time in their day, whether they're a solopreneur or they're a salesperson who's trying to have that in their business development cadence, um, but they don't want to actually take the time that LinkedIn does take to go in and, and be authentic and, and look at each profile, understand how you're connected to that person and make a genuine, honest piece of outreach to that person to potentially get a conversation started. And the whole, let's just cut corners and run automated requests while I'm sleeping, sounds good. And automation, we use automation outside of LinkedIn for a lot of different business processes, but something where you're putting a your face on it, there's so many things that can go wrong. We have seen, we, we actually have a folder of automated requests um, that either were sent to us that our clients get um, or our clients who were um, previously using automation have been sending uh, that are completely disjointed, has the wrong information, reaching out to somebody, for example, someone could be the president of a solar company and they got a request about, about growing their training and coaching business. Totally disjointed, doesn't make sense, is the wrong request for that person, but they got it. And now they're getting that request with somebody else's face. And they think this person actually didn't look at my profile and just sent it to me. So that lit, I wouldn't say lazy. I think lazy is the wrong term, but just trying to cut corners drove that, that proliferation, as you said, or um, that widespread use of automation. But now that LinkedIn's cracking down, I think that's going to change very quickly, which is a good thing for everybody who uses the platform and for those who do honest business development activities day in and day out as part of their normal cadence. Well, there's so much emphasis and it makes sense, right? How can we automate a process? How can we create efficiencies in uh, marketing software automation within the CRM? There's so many um, opportunities to do that. And of course, there would be people who want to do that within LinkedIn. However, forgetting that really the goal long term is to build a really strong network. Because in the end, a strong network 
is going to get you further, regardless of what your, you know, what you're thinking your outcomes are immediately. So, you know, we just really believe in building a great network, building a strong brand, and the automation really doesn't kind of dilutes that very quickly. Yeah, it dilutes it. And if you are looking for a way to be more efficient on LinkedIn, automation's counterintuitive. It doesn't sound like it on paper, but LinkedIn's recommendations are only as good as the data you're giving it. So when you just have, as you call it, Colleen, just randomness, then the recommendations LinkedIn gives you are going to be random. So you're you're thinking, all right, I'm going to be more efficient. I don't have to sit here and send out these requests. But now your your feed's not curated correctly. LinkedIn's recommending the wrong people to you. And you're really not, you're really causing yourself more work in the long run. And then you end up having to clean out a bunch of stuff. Your account gets shut down. It's, it's just a mess. And to sit here and say that LinkedIn wasn't going to take action a couple months ago would have been a ridiculous thing because LinkedIn, they want people to spend time on the platform. And, and they want the platform to have integrity, right? Yeah. There has to be integrity in the platform. Yeah, it's, it is what it is. It's a professional networking site not a, another way because your clients or your potential prospects not answering your phone calls, emails, or texts, you're going to LinkedIn as the new way to get in touch with them is not going to sell them your product. That, that does not make sense. The funny thing about this, and I'm calling it a crackdown because it was, it was so fast. And coincidentally, this is, a, this is completely our opinion and, and really an assumption we're making, but the Wall Street Journal... Morning Brew and a couple other publications posted an article that Merrill Lynch is shifting its cold calling to LinkedIn messaging and other social network platforms. But LinkedIn messaging was the main thing through connection requests, direct messages, emails, whatever it's going to be. That's what they put out there. Really, that week, we started to see warnings, more information, pausing you when you go to connect with somebody. Do you know this person? This person... Um, would actually prefer to be followed. Uh, maybe you should send an in-mail if you don't actually know this person. All of these prompts just started immediately right after the, those articles came out. So it's funny that a company like Merrill Lynch all of a sudden decided, hey, LinkedIn's this thing that magically just appeared that we should be using after it's literally been around for almost 20 years. And then LinkedIn, and we just see this this crackdown. So the crackdowns happened. Um, It'll be interesting to see how far it goes, um, how it impacts, because it does impact. They do catch up with some people who just spend a lot of time on the platform um, in these warnings and and potential restrictions. So it'll be interesting to see how far it goes, how long it goes, um, and what shakes out. But I do think this is going to drive a lot of people who were just using LinkedIn as a a way to potentially spam prospects um, off the platform or really bring down their total usage time. And are you seeing it across both LinkedIn.com and Sales Navigator? Yeah, LinkedIn.com, Sales Navigator. Not so much in Recruiter. I haven't really seen it. Now, Recruiter is LinkedIn's top dollar product. So I, I would be, and most people are open to getting with 90% of people being open to the right opportunity. Most people are open to getting, whether it's a connection request or outreach that is around the job post and they don't really look at that as spam. Um, but definitely in Sales Navigator, LinkedIn.com without any premium seems to be the quickest way for it to ding you. And we don't use any automated tools, but I'm sure if you're running automation in off hours, 
that would be flagged just as much as it's flagging these other variables of unusually high usage, really low connection requests, way too many sent in a short period of time. Your only activity on LinkedIn is connecting with people. Those types of things are those variables. So what's a little bit surprising to me is this occurring in Sales Navigator because actually Sales Navigator is designed to unlock those third level people, which in most cases are people that people don't know. So Sales Navigator designed for a different purpose than LinkedIn.com. And originally my thought was, well, they're just trying to get more people into Sales Navigator, which I think probably is still true because it's revenue generation. But what, what's your thought on that in terms of seeing seeing this within Sales Navigator? I think it's because LinkedIn's not, and again, when, when we, we don't have any insider knowledge, it's just observations and um, experiences that we've had and, and anecdotal kind of evidence here. But LinkedIn isn't really designed for the connection. Like that message with the connection request is to provide a little context, but LinkedIn's not designed that you're always sending that message. You can connect in certain ways without sending that message, without even having the opportunity. They don't even prompt you. If you're, if you're doing it in certain um, lists or on your phone in a certain way, you just hit connect, it sends it. It didn't even prompt you to add a message. So I don't necessarily know if they're cracking down on Sales Navigator on purpose. I think it's just the connection requests within Sales Navigator are being flagged where the in-mails aren't. Now, the in-mails are interesting because... A lot of people get an in-mail, accept the in-mail, and then think they're connected with the person. So we have clients um, before when we first start coaching it or doing training where they're sending in-mails thinking they're connecting with people and they're not. And that person thinks they connected. The other thing with the in-mail is it can be very uh, confusing for people as far as the messaging center with how does that look versus just a, a random, not random, a less targeted approach of just paying for um, ads on LinkedIn. So it's sponsored in mail where you don't actually know who's going to get it. It's just part of this. These people are in this criteria. They're going to get my message um, where regular in mail is direct to them. um, But they come across very similar other than just that LinkedIn specifying that sponsored piece there. So where I guess while while trying to explain because everyone can't see um, that while I'm talking, I don't believe that LinkedIn really wanted to crack down on Sales Navigator at all. Um, I think it's really that that connection request piece um, that they're cracking down on. Because if you look at LinkedIn's policies and, and what a connection should be, it should be a trusted person that you know. Um, however, a lot of people that everybody knows, they they didn't know each other at one point. They had to meet each other through an introduction or cold outreach or, or things like that. So it's a little counterintuitive, but that is why... Um, I think Sales Navigator is getting rolled into that where recruiters really not. You know, I noticed um, I probably had from the, let's say, April to early May, probably 150 connection requests. Um, a fair amount of them actually personalized. However, personalized in, in, in a way that were they were vague, but personalized. So I could tell that they were pretty much automated. I could also tell that they were probably based on a search for coach, trainer, author, right? So three words that I have on my LinkedIn profile. So I I had probably 150 of them. Probably one evening I just sat down and I just started to ignore. I don't normally 
say, I don't know this person, but because I could tell, and, and actually within that group, there was one company that sent me the same automated message from three of their business development people. And it was such a, they tried really hard to be super clever in that message. So it was actually not a bad message, but three people from the same company. So for many of them, I just hit, I don't know this person. I have definitely noticed, and I think it probably aligns with, you know, LinkedIn reining this in. I have not, I probably have gotten two in the last three, in the last two weeks. So kind of curious when you hit ignore, and sometimes uh, people will say to me, should I hit ignore? Or just do, do I just leave them in there? I'm like, no, just hit ignore. They'll go away. That person's not notified. But the second step, I don't know this person at some point has to flag back to that person. Correct. Jim, LinkedIn's looking at that, wouldn't you say? They are definitely looking at that. So I think, again, this is a, an observation and an assumption, but I think if you sent 50 connection requests and, and knew the individuals and you called 25 of them and said, click, I don't know. And those 25 people clicked, I don't know. And the other 25 accepted it. I think you would get flagged by LinkedIn and restricted as if differently than if you didn't call anybody, you sent out 200 to nobody, you know, and maybe you had a lower connection rate. Cause that would be a, on that, on that 50, that would be still a 50% connection rate, which is very high. Um, but 25 people flagged you. The other one, maybe two or three of those people would flag you. Um, and you might have a 15% connection rate, but LinkedIn might not throttle you because you didn't have all those people marking you as spam. Does that really, it really should say mark this as spam because that's what it is. Yeah, really interesting. So as a tip, this takes me back to, I feel like I've over the last couple of weeks been coaching and training to where we were five years ago, how we were training and coaching, really thinking how to be more authentic, use your first level connections, create introductions, know the people in your network. And um, almost a, a little bit, you know, I tend to say that I'm a LinkedIn purist, right? I, I like the the opportunity within LinkedIn to build a really great network of people that you know, where you get engagement. So would you consider the, a tip, um, what we talk about in our It's Business Not Social process like you got to do some of the work. Yeah. And and when you're saying you're training and coaching and, and as a team, we're training and coaching like Intero was five years ago. There's a little bit of, I, I have a little bit of a pause there because I agree that we are, but you never, that's always been part of how we train. It was just for before um, this large rise in, in automation around COVID right before that cold outreach on LinkedIn intentional cold outreach, finding ways to make it a little bit warmer outreach or specifically niche targeted messaging. So looking at small groups was extremely effective, extremely effective. We have clients that millions of dollars in revenue that they would not have had otherwise because of this type of outreach. So still focus on your network first, find those low-hanging fruit areas and to, to get those introductions and, and build that trust and obviously reciprocal you introducing people as well that approach never left but now we're okay how do we how do we stand out from the the other connection requests because if, if in that 140 you were talking about i think that's the number you said that 140 connection requests i'm sure there was a couple in there that 
if you didn't have all these other ones, maybe you would have taken a second to, to look at their profile and maybe they were offering something that could fill a, a business need that we have or fit with one of our initiatives that would have been worth the conversation. But because they just got lumped in with all these other spam, they probably just got ignored. So it's how do you, it's how do you shift it so you can stand out? And it is training like we, we were five years ago where it was almost exclusively that piece and not mixing in that lukewarm cold outreach. Um, and now it's it's shifting that ball that way. So I think that's important for people to realize is it's not, they never, that should always be the fundamental. Um, it's right. just now we have to be more creative, which then leads into that other piece that LinkedIn's launched, that creator mode, because creator mode, the whole rollout was be a creator. This is going to benefit those who have been putting time and effort um, into creating genuine, great content on our platform. Um, and people are really excited, like maybe this might be a way for me to monetize some of my content. This will help me grow my following even more. All of these things. And then creator mode gets rolled out. And really all it did was make it easier to change a setting that was already in LinkedIn, um, which is change your connect button to a follow button. Um, mm -hmm. It now displays your followers at the top of your profile um, as opposed to putting it down in your activity. So just moving it up two sections. It says that, it's going to add more in your activity section. Instead of showing the last four things you did on LinkedIn, it's the last five. So like these, these are very basic changes. So I think there's a lot of people who are really excited and it just didn't happen for them. But where I'm going is, is this, this creator mode should have people thinking, okay, how can I be a creator within my own niche? How can I be that thought, that thought leader, big fish in a small pond? I want to be the person that when people say, what does Jim know? What does Colleen know? Oh, they're the expert in blank because I see them all the time in LinkedIn talking about it, all the time in LinkedIn creating content. So I hope creator mode, one, it comes out a little bit more bells and whistles for those upper echelon influencer type folks. When I say upper echelon, very high number of followers create content multiple times a week that gets 20,000 views. I, I hope it benefits them long term, but I hope creator mode gets people thinking of how can they become a creator and a thought leader in their own space. Wouldn't you say that's what you're hoping as well, Colleen? Absolutely. I think it's a great, a great way to showcase people's insight and expertise. If it becomes a commercial, I think it's gonna lose it's gonna get diluted really quickly. So less commercial, more Hey, just wanted you know to get to know you. This is what I'm doing. This is the type of content I create. I've got to play with it. I haven't I haven't played with mine yet and put it together. This kind of inspired me to do that. But I I what I don't necessarily see is I think of you know many of our clients who are CEOs running businesses. I don't necessarily see it for them. And many of those people have great expertise unless they sort of have a, um, I really love LinkedIn and I love, I love playing with LinkedIn and, and working within LinkedIn. I don't necessarily see the leadership team kind of taking this on, but I do see it as a really great opportunity for um, solopreneurs, consultants, trainers, coaches, th that group. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I do think that, that personal brand individual where their their company and brand and their personal brand are so uniquely intertwined are going to benefit the most. So yeah, that solopreneur, that consultant for sure. Um, Cause you can add some personality to it. Uh, but for companies, especially companies that, 
that keep marketing pretty rigid. They provide the guardrails and you really have to stay within them or you have to get approval for a lot of things. It's not going to make a lot of sense. Um, the worst thing you can do, in my opinion, is go test out creator mode, do a bunch of very choppy, as you just said, infomercial type stuff on your profile, forget about it. And then that's the brand that you're leaving out there for the rest of the time on LinkedIn because um, nothing worse than having a an ideal prospect for you that could be an ideal prospect for you or customer for years to come to come to your profile and be turned off by a very bizarre um, feature that you added and forgot about when you were just messing around with creator mode. So yes, great to test things, but definitely check in and verify with somebody else that it's portraying the right message. Right. And there's also kind of a, a little bit of, um, unless you know and recognize the frame around the picture, you don't necessarily know that it's there. Correct. I mean, in terms of watching that video piece, correct. Yeah. For that cover story, in, uh, mm-hmm. most people aren't going to know to yeah. click on the the different looking frame. Most people don't even realize you could click on someone's profile photo to make it bigger. So yes, that's, that's going to be something that a lot of people won't see, but you don't want someone to click on it by accident and be like, what is this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I do yeah. think there's a great opportunity though for some um, leadership teams, CEOs, business owners, entrepreneurs to maybe talk about culture right? The type of company that they have, maybe more, almost more for the recruiting side um, as recruiting is really, really heating up. I don't know. I think that there could be some cool applications. I think that people just need to think through them as opposed to um, sometimes when when we talk about a new feature, um, I see people like automatically on their phone or doing something and I'm like, oh no, they've just like released this and they're doing it and they haven't really thought it through. That's really why I haven't done it. Um, I was on a co- coaching session. I was talking about polls and I could see a couple of people going in and actually creating polls at that moment. I'm like, hold on there, people. Just think through what you actually want to put out there. It's great to test as you and go for it. Just remember what Jim said. Don't forget that you tested it because you want to continually refine, but you want to think it through first. Yeah, that culture piece is huge because that, that comes off genuine um, if you are actually talking about the, the business. And, and people, for, not forget, but people don't realize like the even though a, maybe a profile, um, your number one piece of content, your LinkedIn profile uh, could be could be oriented where it sounds, okay, this is all about the myself the company and the culture this isn't about what we what we do how we help people and i'm in sales how does that benefit me people want to do business with those that they like and trust so that culture piece even though it's designed for recruiting purposes that might be something that still sets you apart in the industry for for potential clients and having a great retention strategy makes your clients want to do business with you longer because they're not getting a new Hey, you have a new account rep every six, eight, 10 months because then you're starting over. So thinking about those things and being like, oh, I'm only doing this for X reason. Got to get away from that. How do I, how am I genuinely putting out the right message to my LinkedIn audience or those that will vet or, or verify through my profile on LinkedIn and having it resonate with people for multiple reasons? Yeah. Really great. Let's give everyone a truth tool and tip on today's topic as we wrap up. So truth. So I I would say the truth is kind of what we just finished up with is LinkedIn's constantly rolling out features. Not everyone has them at the same time. 
you really have to, because LinkedIn is where people go, especially when making business to business, um, purchasing decisions um, for hiring, that's where they're going to go. You want to make sure you have the right things out there. So yes, test. Yes, use use that new bell and whistle if it, it fits into your plan. But think about it first, add a little strategy behind it. And if you do test, just be sure to pull it down if it doesn't make a lot of sense. Great. That's great. Tool. Tool. I would think, you know, I'm going to say the LinkedIn Help Center. If you don't, <laughs> That's great. If you don't know something, go to the LinkedIn Help Center. It's at least going to put you in the right direction. So then you're more, if you're talking to, to us, if you're in a, a coaching engagement or training engagement or you have a, a one-off question, it's going to help you be more educated about that question or how to ask the right question. Or you probably find the answer yourself. Um, through that help center. So actually leverage that help center. Don't just use the pop-up, open it up in a new tab and, and go through there and, and kind of understand what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And at the end of every article um, within the help center, it actually tells you when it's been updated. So that is usually a really great indicator. I always look at that because if it's recent, then I know something's changed because there are a number of things that change where there's no announcement of that change. So exactly. the help center, definitely a friend of, of, of mine as well. Tip. Looking at the outreach. So with, I wouldn't get all wrapped around the axle of, okay, Intero on their podcast said LinkedIn's cracking down. I can't do, I can't send connection messages anymore. That's not what we're saying. What we're saying is, or at least what I'm, I'm saying, and, and Colleen, you can agree with me here or not, is you just have to be more thoughtful with how you're approaching people, especially if you're sending them a connection message. There kind of has to be some reciprocal benefit there. Um, if there's not really any reciprocal benefit, if you think a good connection message is, hey, I know a lot of people. I came across you while I was searching. I can introduce you to some people and we should set up a time to chat. And that time of chat is I can just tell you about the products and, and services that we offer. That's not a reciprocal benefit. Obviously, as we talked about, finding a, an introduction is always going to be the best way to do it. Um, but if you are going to do that, that cold outreach, warm it up with something. But don't get away from, from sending connection requests completely. Uh, just, just be more thoughtful in that approach. Great. Do you agree? Yeah. Absolutely. I think um, playing off of that tip, it is being an introducer in your network, right? Thinking about people you can introduce to, to one another. They're going to talk about you probably as the first point of conversation in their conversation. I would highly recommend being engaging with other people's content. And we've talked about this on other podcasts in lots of blogs. Be a good social citizen on LinkedIn and actually care about the people you know you're connecting with because they are people. They're not just connections. They're they're people. So building once again building that strategic network. I think really, really important. So we're liking some the changes that we're seeing. LinkedIn's got a lot apparently on the roadmap, always going to be changing. We hope that you tune back in and hear more about those changes as we talk about them, that you check us out on interoadvisory.com. We do a lot of blogging tips. We also have Inside, which is our membership site, and we do group coaching, but there's a lot of content. Um, we're all producing content that is going to be helpful as people move through their LinkedIn journey. 
So thanks for a great episode, Jim. I really appreciate it. I want you to connect with us on LinkedIn. Once again, check out our website. We appreciate any feedback, a shout out on your preferred channel. And you can listen to us on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and other channels. You can check out our tutorials on YouTube. So very specific tutorials, which can often be very helpful. It may be the one thing you need to know how to do. Check out that content. As always, great conversation. Jim, I appreciate you being here. I'm Colleen, signing off until our next episode. Thanks for listening. Connect with us on LinkedIn, get to know us on LinkedIn, and on our website, interoadvisory.com. We have lots of valuable content, including Insight, our membership site, and more. We'd appreciate a shout out on your preferred channel, a review, or a comment on what you'd like us to discuss. You can listen in on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and other channels. Check out our tutorials on YouTube as well. Thanks very much for being a part of Stand Out on LinkedIn.